Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect the sponsors or FXPG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, The Madman. So I just want to remind you, you know, if you want to support Shock Monkey Radio, you can go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, you get access to all of our video content behind the paywall. Also, if you just want to send me some beer money, you can go over to uh, Cash App and use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio, all one word, send me some beer money, or if you want to put a little note, maybe I'll read it out for you when I get it. Until then, I'm not saying anything for you. All right, so, um, yeah, let's get right into it. All right, so, yeah, uh, man, whatever. Yeah, man, whatever. Oh, okay, just let it run. Hey, yo, turn, turn up my headphones a little bit. Hey, yo, this podcast is for anyone. Fuck it. Just shut up and listen. So 20 years ago was the year 2000. In the year 2000, I was still in the Navy. And when you walk down the barracks of uh, uh, U.S., you know, was basically an NCO barracks, you know, a bunch of, you know, Petty Officer Thompson's talking to Petty Officer Hutchinson and so and so forth and so on. And you, you hang with these guys, you go into their rooms, you talk to them and stuff like that. And there's a guy who was uh, playing playing a CD. And um, and I, one of the lyrics of the song really caught me. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a second, who is this? And he says, this is Eminem. And it's like, well, what album is this? And he goes, this is the Marshall Mathers album. And I was like, I, I can't remember if it was an EP or an LP. But it was the Marshall Mathers EP, I think. And uh, I, I didn't have it on vinyl, so I don't know what the speed of the record was. But um, I think it was the Marshall Mathers EP. And so I said, hey, man, let me borrow that. Let me borrow that CD because I, I really want to listen to it. Because he said something in one of his songs that made my ears perk up. I was like, oh, I guess I got to check this out. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about Eminem. Not the candy, the rapper. So I want to talk to you about um, year 2000. And how 20 years ago, Eminem had been kind of spotted some of our social ills coming down the pipe. Is it pike or pipe? I don't know. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about some songs. I'll specifically the Marshall Mathers EP. And so, um, yeah, Eminem off the Marshall Mathers EP. <laughs> excuse me. Um, um, there's a song called Who Knew? All right, and there's some lyrics here I want to talk about about in, in the song Who Knew by Eminem off the Marshall Mathers EP. Quote, you want me to fix up lyrics while our president gets his dick sucked. Fuck that. Take drugs, rape sluts, make fun of gay clubs, men who wear makeup, get aware, wake up, get a sense of humor. Now I want to pause right there. All right, so what, he, what he's talking about is like, how ridiculous, how ridiculous is it to censor music in this particular case to censor music when all the news is covering uh the sordid details of what happened to uh to president clinton between president clinton and monica Lewinsky in the oval office because this is what he's talking about you know how ridiculous is it to censor music when that's what the news is covering all right and he's saying, fuck that, take drugs, rape sluts, make fun of gay clubs, men who wear makeup, things you don't want necessarily people to, uh, to be saying these days. Absolutely. Things you don't want people to be saying these days. But the point is, is that he could say it, and he, you, know, you should be capable of being able to say things like that. Not because that taking drugs is a good thing, or raping sluts is a good thing, but, but, but rather that you, it's... Raping, saying raping sluts or rape sluts is not the same as actually raping sluts, okay? And so when, when it comes to, you know, get aware and wake up, get aware and wake up. And people are always saying how woke they are these days and so forth and stuff like that. And I think even 20 years ago, Mr. Mathers knew what was going on. He saw people, were, you know, were char starting to take things way too seriously and get not, not allowing their sense of humor to, uh, <clears throat> to be jaded by like uh, political correctness is basically basically what he's talking about. All right, so here he goes on to say in in the song, "Who knew?" Quit trying to censor music. This is for the kids' amusement. The kids, but don't blame me when little Eric jumps off the terrace. You should have been watching him. Apparently, you ain't parents. Now that Eric jumping off, little Eric jumping off the terrace is a reference to uh, Eric Clapton's son. 
Now, if you don't know the story about Eric Clapton's son, um, you, perhaps you do know Eric Clapton's song, Tears in Heaven, which he made a bundle on. Okay, Tears in Heaven is a song that he wrote for his son, who uh, walked off a balcony um, uh, when he was young and died. And so, um, and uh, Eminem here is saying, apparently, Eric Clapton should have been watching him. Apparently, you ain't parents. Now, if there's anything that you've picked up by listening to the Marshall Mathers EP, is that he is very serious, that Eminem is very serious about being a father for his daughter. And good for him. Absolutely. Every, every kid needs a father as well as they need a mother. Okay. And so I, I do take issue with that as like, but, you know, he's very serious about being a father and about uh, talking about fatherhood. You should have been watching him, Eric Clapton. Apparently you ain't parents, which is a very cold way of saying is like you ain't parents because, you know, you let your kid die. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite cold, but it's, it's very truthful. There's, there's some wisdom in that because, you know, if you, if, if you're, you know, smoking weed or playing with your guitar or something like that, Mr. Slowhand, you know, all you got to do, you know, and, and you should have been paying attention to your kid because what is really the most important thing? Really? What is the most important thing? And I think that that Eminem, Eminem has his priorities straight. When he starts talking about things like this. And I think there's a lot of kids growing up in this day and age that are, have, been, uh, have been poorly raised. That's why you see all this chaos in the streets. They have been poorly raised by their parents. They've been allowed you know, by either television or devices to be raised. And so that's why you have situations like, uh, granted, you know, the little Eric jumping off the terrace was long before the devices and cell phones and stuff like that. But, I mean, there are distractions in the world, even lo- I mean, long before you know, cell phones and devices and stuff. So, I mean, I, I, I have to agree with the little bit of cruel wisdom that I, I find in a lot of Eminem's music, specifically this album that I'm talking about, the Marshall Mathers EP. Uh, I want to talk about another song called The Way I Am. It's probably my favorite song on the album, The, uh, the Way I Am. Um, and there's another quote I want to pull from this song that I, I want you to, to, uh, to consider for a moment. There's a line that says, because uh, they full of shit too when a dude's getting bullied and shoots up a school and they blame it on Marilyn and the heroin. Where were the parents at and look where it's at. Middle America, now it's a tragedy. Now it's so sad to see an upper class city. Now that's another. That's another indictment. Um, I think he's specifically talking about the Columbine shooting. Uh, I believe that happened in 95, 4? 95, 94? I, I can't remember. It was the mid-90s when the Columbine happened, and a lot of people were, still, were blaming it on music like Marilyn Manson. And uh, it's quite ridiculous to blame it on Marilyn Manson. And uh, even I agreed with that, even though there was a ton of people who uh, didn't agree with that, that thought that because an artist makes music, whether it's Marilyn Manson or Eminem or anybody makes music, does not take does not um, does not involve culpability for the crimes committed by people who listen to that music and take the concepts within that art form and take it to a r- ridiculous degree. All right, that does not make them responsible for what happened. All right, it's a horrible thing when some dude gets bullied and shoots up a school. You know, that's a horrible thing. All right, but I don't think you should be blaming somebody who's living because you can't blame the dead anymore. That's the problem with these. That's why these these suicide shooters or these suicide bombers do what they do. You can't you can't throw a a a, a mass shooter in prison if he shoots himself. Anyway, that's so that's just a one little bit of the way I am, which is my favorite song on the album. So let's go on to this next song called "The Real Shim, Slim Shady." Shim Shady. The real Slim Shady. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote in there I, like, I want to talk about. It says, yeah, I probably got a couple of screws up in my head loose, but it's no worse than what's going on in your parents' bedrooms. Sometimes I want to get on TV and just let loose, but I can't. But it's cool for Tom Green, Tom Green to hump a dead moose. My bum is on your lips. My bum is on your lips. And if I'm lucky, you might just give it a little kiss. And that's the message we deliver to little kids and expect them not to know what a woman's clitoris is. Of course, they're going to know what intercourse is by the time they get to the fourth grade. They got the Discovery Channel, don't they? <clears throat> now, this is an 
excellent indictment. This is an excellent indictment because, like, just like the coverage of Bill Clinton and uh, Monica Lewinsky, you know, they're the things that are on TV, like Tom Green's show uh, back in the day. Uh, it, it was it was awful. It was awful. Does anyone have the DVD box set of Tom Green's show on MTV? It was awful. That dude got lucky that his 15 minutes lasted that long. But, I mean, I think he has a, a very good point. It's like you have all this stuff on, in the media and television, and you want to focus in on somebody like Marilyn or Marilyn Manson, or you want to focus in on somebody like Eminem, like he is the cause of such social ills. And I don't think that's the case, you know? These kids are growing up too fast. They learn very too quick, uh, learn way too quickly about the sexual nature of humans, of adults, and they're getting, you know, uh, indoctrinated into the life way too early. And he has a very good point. And there's he's, uh, I believe, even earlier in that song, he's talking about what about the makeup you allow your 12 year old daughter to wear. He has a very good point. You know, like I said, it's like Eminem. He seems to have a very good, uh, very devoted sense uh, of fatherhood to him. And so, I mean, even, uh, I think his daughter was quite young, quite young back in the day, back when this album was released. And so um, he would think about the future, the future of his daughter when she's 12 years old. He's like, I'm not going to let her wear makeup. Now, I don't think, I think that's too young, too young to be getting involved in that kind of sexualization of females. And that's a responsible father right there, you know? And so he, he's concerned. He's concerned about these kids. They're growing up, and they're, you know, they have all this information at their fingertips. They're quite unsupervised, just like the Columbine kids. We're quite unsupervised. And therefore, you know, as, when they get into the teenage years, you know, they're getting into all sorts of crazy stuff and end up in, you know, in their 20s in these streets out here these days, rioting, burning stuff. There's another section of the song says, uh, of the same song, The Real Slim Shady. I'm like a head trip to listen to because I'm only giving you things you joke about with your friends inside your living room. The only difference is I got the balls to say it in front of y'all and I don't got to be false or sugar-coated at all. That is an affirmation of the First Amendment. Okay? Everyone who gets pissed off at comedians who talk about raunchy things. All you people who sit there and get pissed off at Joe Rogan because he made, he made a generalization, a generalization on a, a podcast. Words are ethereal. They disappear. Give it a second, every single word disappears. See, it's gone. Even if you're listening to this podcast 10 years from now, the words come and the words go. All right? And everyone has this capability to make words appear briefly and then disappear. But the things you joke about in your living room with your friends, you know, once it starts getting put out there on the internet for everybody to judge, because that's really what we're talking about. Comedians, you know, when you go to Joe Rogan's podcast, if you get up on Joe Rogan's podcast, you're sitting in some room with a friend. Everyone who comes and sits there in next, you know, across from Joe Rogan, is treated like a friend. I guarantee you, I could just tell that about Joe Rogan. He'll greet you with a handshake and a smile as a welcome. And that's how we all should be. You know, I may disagree with Joe Rogan about a lot of things, but hey, he will sit down and talk to people that even Spotify won't agree with. Like Gavin McInnes, Milo Yiannopoulos, all right? Joe Rogan will sit down and talk to them. And that's, his tes that's a testament to his character. And freedom is, and you can't be getting pissed off at everything somebody says. You know, once you get that camera that's in the Joe Rogan experience, that camera, it gets broadcast to any living room on earth. All right? Where it can be judged privately. You know, I'll sit there and yell at Joe Rogan's leftist views. Absolutely. But I'm not going to sit here and say he needs to be canceled because he doesn't agree with me on every single thing. And just like comedians who tell jokes that you don't like, you don't have to laugh at them. All right? But you don't have to try to cancel somebody because, hey, sometimes they're a head trip to listen to. But they're only telling jokes that people joke about with their friends in their living rooms. All right, I want to go on to this last point about Marshall Mathers and the, the Marshall Mathers EP. Here's another quote from the song called 
Marshall Mathers. Starting shit like some 26-year-old skinny Cartman. God damn it. An anti-Backstreet and Ricky Martin, whose instincts to kill sync don't get me started. These brats can't sing, and Britney's garbage. What's this bitch retarded? Give me back my six, $16. All right, I'm going to stop right there. Because that is an indictment on pop music. And he's absolutely correct. It's like every single song by Backstreet Boys and Ricky Martin and NSYNC and Britney, Britney Spears does not have a, an iota of wisdom that is in this line. It's all garbage. It's all ugh, earwig garbage. Pop music is, is it's bubblegum. It's, it's, the, it's the fruit stripe bubblegum. It's delicious for about two seconds, and then you got to spit it out because it just tastes like rubber. All right? And that's what pop is. And here I am, sitting here 20 years later, still listening to the Marshall Mathers EP. All right? So let's go on to the continuation of the line. This last, very last part I want to talk about. Quote, all I see is sissies and magazines smiling. Whatever happened to wilding out and being violent? Whatever happened to catching a good old-fashioned passionate ass-whooping and getting your shoes, coat, and hat tooken? That, that right there is the most relevant thing I think he said on the entire album. And I'll tell you why. Because Eminem is older than me. I think he was born in 1972. I was born in 1977. He's older than me, but we both come from a similar generation. We grew up in a generation where, you know, when uh, you'd walk out in the streets unsupervised by your parents, because, I mean, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. When you'd go out in the streets, it's like you have to face, you know, the world in a different world where sometimes, you know, you'd be running with your friends, you're riding BMX bikes, you have an argument with a friend. Next thing you know, there's a scrap. There's a fight. You know? Sometimes you got to get into a fight. I was on uh, baseball teams. Guys would fight. You know, playing Little League. Guys would fight. Just running around with friends, guys would fight. People would fight in school. People would fight in the lunch yard. There were fights. I've been in plenty of them. Plenty of them. More than I'd like to have. All right? And that's the generation we came from. And you know what? It's made me appreciate peace all the more. It made me, resp- it made me far more likely to avoid conflict than to approach it. That's what, that, that's what my fighting experience has taught me. All right. And, and, you know, even in 2000, all he could see was Sissies and Magazine smiling, which is uh, Sissies and Magazine smiling is kind of like the generation that we have today. The generation that, uh, that's coming up today, you know, they haven't really seen any conflict. They haven't been in a situation. They haven't been all alone on a Saturday with just their friends riding around the neighborhood unsupervised and getting into a fight with a friend. It's all these, um, what do they call those, playdates and stuff like that, where they're constantly supervised. They never have to deal with any real conflict. And the next thing you know, you're, they're, they're in the streets lighting fires, and when they get arrested for lighting fires, they don't know what the hell to do with themselves. You know? Or they go out there and they run into somebody who's like an <laughs> ex-military guy who, can, who actually knows how to throw a punch or something like that. <laughs> and they get their ass handed to them, by somebody like the Proud Boys or something, or Patriot Prayer, and they don't know what to do with themselves because they've never, that's the first physical conflict they've ever been in. Now, I'm not saying that the world I grew up in is any better than the world that is available today for kids. I'm not saying that it's good that I had to suffer through bullying. It's not that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's good that I had to fight sometimes growing up. But I learned how to do, deal with conflict. I learned how to avoid conflict because of it. All right? And you can, you can realize very quickly, if you catch a good old-fashioned passionate ass-whooping and get your shit token, you know, you can learn real quickly how maybe I shouldn't walk down that street anymore. Maybe I shouldn't have shouted that kind of thing at people. Maybe I couldn't have, like, eyeballed that guy that caused me to get that ass-whooping. You learn how to avoid that kind of conflict once you face conflict when you're younger. Now, I'm not saying that my, the world I grew up in is better. The world that Eminem and I grew up in is better than it is today. I, I, I used to think that bullying was a bad thing and it needs to be eliminated. But somehow I think that it's, it's a good thing. And I, I know this might be a controversial, controversial thing and it even causes conflict in my own mind. But in many ways it could be a good thing. 
shaming other kids, making fun of other kids for why they're for why they're weird or something like that. It's like you're weird, Scott. You're weird, madman. It could be a good thing. It could be a good thing to face conflict because sometimes you have to be able to catch an ass whooping before you think about giving one. You know, that's how I felt. It's like when I was uh, smaller. I mean, I didn't hit my growth spurt till like my uh, junior year of high school. You know, I was small for a while. You know, and I was picked on for a while, bullied. You know, but once I became a uh, uh, force to be reckoned with, by the time I was a senior, you know, hitting the weights and stuff like that, being a, a bigger guy, it's like nobody really wanted to tangle me, tangle with me anymore. And in fact, I found sometimes found myself in situations where I could easily overpower other people. I could easily be the bully. And sometimes I was. And sometimes I was. And, you know, in my private thoughts, my prayers, you know, these are the things that I concern, you know, that concern me about my soul, about how I treated other people when I was younger. Because so, sometimes you're bullied, and sometimes you're the bully. All right? And both of them, both of those situations weigh heavily in your mind and stick in your memory. And they stick in your memory way better than the carefree, fun days that where you have faced no conflict at all. So I want to say that, you know, there's a lot of wisdom to be found in Marshall Mathers, EP, the Marshall Mathers EP. And I think that, you know, you, you should listen to it and you'll find there's some. Oh, it's the Marshall Mathers LP. I'm just being informed. Marshall Mathers LP. It's a long play record. So I think you played at 33, 33 RPM. Is that right? I don't know. So I highly recommend that album. And it's like, I know you may not think I'm the kind of guy who likes that kind of thing, but I think that uh, Mr. Marshall Mathers is a poet. Mr. Mostly Mittens is a poet. He's quite good at what he does. And he's uh, articulate enough that I can understand his lyrics when they're having a conversation with some other guy while that music is playing in the background. 20 years ago, and still, there's still wisdom to be found in, <laughs> in an Eminem album these days. <clears throat> So let's change gears for a little bit. So I was just wondering, what if, I wonder if uh, Superman, Clark Kent, ever was a sleepwalker. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, um, a ton of kids, a ton, like, I think around 11 or 12, uh, lots of them start sleepwalking. I think about 11, 12 years old, kids start sleepwalking, especially males, I think. And so I wonder if like Superboy ever had any situations like that where he like just got up and walked through a wall. Now, imagine, like, if Superman, is it sleepwalking or sleep-flying, we should call it? Because he could fly. Excuse me. He could fly. But, okay, let me, let me put it this way. Say you're living in Metropolis. All right, you work for the sanitation department. You're living, you're living in Metropolis. You're working for the sanitation department. You have this hen-pecking wife. She's always nagging. You need to get more money. You need to get promotion. You need to get more money. All the time. You know, you're at work all day. You're out of work for like 12 hours. You know, you come back home, stinking of garbage. All you want to do is sit down, you know, take a shower, sit in your chair, and watch some sports. That's all you want to do and not be bothered. Have your dinner and not be bothered and get to bed in an early hour. And you're lucky enough that that's what happened that night. Your wife was a little bit less henpecky. You know, she made her best dinner, you know, and then... Got to get up. You got to get up at like a crack of dawn in the morning to go and t deal with uh, all of Metropolis's trash. And then you go and you go lay down. Next thing you know, in the middle of the night, your next door neighbor is standing through a hole in your wall between the apartment next to you and your bedroom. And he's just sitting there floating, floating with his eyes closed. Clark, what the hell are you doing in my house? And why is that hole in my wall? Just imagine that. Or worse, like say, say he takes a different turn. Say Clark Kent gets up in the middle of the night sleepwalking and takes a different turn and walks straight out of the brick window. Next thing you know, he's just sitting there floating outside of a hole in an apartment building, just floating, wandering around Metropolis. See, I don't even think that he can get away with hiding his super, uh, secret identity if he were a sleepwalker. So all I'm saying is that there must be something about the Kryptonian mind that does not have, what's it called, Synop synobolism or something like that. I forget the technical name, but sleepwalking. 
<laughs> I bet that you know. Uh, I bet Kryptonians don't sleepwalk because if they did, on the paper world they live on on Earth, it would be a nightmare. It would be a nightmare. And I, I think I've mentioned this before. Is like the Kent's home, the the Kent farmhouse must have been rebuilt like over and over again. It's like how many you know how many times did he run up the stairs and like just rip the 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 banister down or something? <laughs> clack 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 all the little slats falling out. I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> Clark, get to your room. Off he's go. Off he goes. <laughs> he's gone. And so I was thinking, like, what if other like superheroes, quote unquote superheroes, had um had other like uh like problematic, like uh, psychiatric problems? So I was wondering, like, maybe what what if Batman had night terrors? You know, but because he's out being Batman all night, you know, he uh he he gets uh, he just wakes up. Or wakes up, or no, he's just screaming, screaming in his sleep at two in the afternoon, and Alfred has to come in. And, Master Bruce, Master Bruce, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, Master Bruce. Ah! Bruce Wayne's just screaming in his bed at two in the afternoon. The maid doesn't know what the fuck's going on, you know. And so I wonder, it's like, in, like, uh, like uh, Bruce Wayne wakes up, and Alfred's sitting there, standing over him. He's like, Alfred, did I have another bad dream? And it's like, yes, you did, Master Bruce. What was this about? It's like, bats. It's like, no shit. <laughs> it's like, my parents dying over and over again. It's like, oh, so it's like going to see a DC movie. What if the Green Lantern was colorblind? And he's, he's flying along with the Green Lantern Corps. And they're, they're facing him. It's like, don't forget about, let's make up a name, uh, Nafanra. There's Nafanra with his gleaming yellow sword, and it looks white to me. Are you sure it's Are you sure it's gonna hurt us? It's white to me. Seems like a colorblind Green Lantern. I mean, other than being fearless, I think you can't be colorblind if you're a Green Lantern. I think that's uh, probably the Guardians built that in. I think you can't be colorblind as a Green Lantern. Um, what if the What if the Blue Beetle collected his poop in jars? I'll let you think about that one for a while. You can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com if you want me to clarify that, if you want me to clarify why Blue Beetle would keep his poop in a jar. Think about it. And what would happen if Booster Gold got caught stealing gold? Why wouldn't he? He's from the future. Gold, gold is only going up. Gold's only going up. <laughs> so, wow, 6.30. I talked a lot about Eminem, didn't I? Uh, so uh, I want to talk about a couple more things before we get into the news worth knowing. I want to talk about The Social Dilemma. The Social Dilemma is uh, up on Netflix now, and a lot of people have been watching and talking about this. And uh, here's the thing. It's like I was talking about this earlier, about um, uh, the generation that me and Mr. Mathers grew up in. It's like we didn't have all this uh, media at our fingertips. But I remember being a kid on a rainy Saturday uh, playing Atari you know, like all day long, all day long, all, you know, seriously, like 12 hours of combat. Imagine that. All right. But, and I would get up and go to the bathroom and I would have this tunnel vision. I would have like, I would be, I would see like kind of a, a floating square in my, in the, in my mid, mid distance vision. You know, I'd go to the bathroom. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to see like in my periphery. Because I had been so focused on a little, the little black and white screen that I had when I was playing those that played that Atari back then, and so I I realized that you know because of my focus, my my perception had been altered. Now this is a very basic understanding of of basically basically what the social dilemma is about. The social dilemma uh, is 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 about how we have all these distractions at hand these days, and a lot of us don't. Uh, are 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 che- cheating our minds by not reading books, going on a hike, you know, get disconnecting from your devices, you know. There's so much entertainment at our fingertips with these things. There is so much; it's unlimited. You cannot watch everything that is out there in any lifetime. You can't even watch one genre, one genre <laughs> in one lifetime. You know, and so we constantly have our faces in these devices. Right now, I'm looking into a camera. I have a laptop in front of me, and my I have my uh, iPhone, uh, not my iPhone, my smartphone, 
right here. I don't use iPhone. Apple sucks. And so that being said, it's like I do have the stuff at my fingertips. But as a writer, I in growing up in the generation of Mr. Mathers and I, you know, uh, I, I've, I've learned the skill to be able to disconnect from it mentally. And I can't imagine what it's like being of my niece's generation, growing up where all this stuff is at your fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Luckily, she has a bunch of chickens, and she's responsible for getting the eggs. And that kind of forces you to disconnect and slow down. And think about the lifespan of a chicken and the, the way chickens think in many ways. Forces you to get up and go out of your house. You know? And I think that, you know, a, a lot of people... Even when it comes to doing things like uh, like exercising, when I think about exercising, is like I think about putting in a podcast and exercising. You know, sometimes it's good to be alone with your thoughts. You know, and that's why they say that you know when uh, before you go to bed, you should um, at least like like what two hours. It, uh, you should disconnect. Don't get, don't have a screen in front of you for two hours before you need to go to sleep. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that. You need to disconnect. And uh, um, be alone with your thoughts so that you can sleep. I highly recommend reading. Reading is, it doesn't involve any blue light. You know, pick up a comic book, you know. Read, read, a, good, read a good comic book before you go to bed. And that should be enough time for you to, uh, you know, settle your mind down. You know, because after all, everything that's coming out in this information, all the information we have at, a, have at, our, at hand these days is a cacophony. You know, it is a blaring noise of digital information and it's hard for us to suss out what is real and what is true and that's why this whole concept of fake news sprung out is because there's so much content out there that (laughs) a large portion of it is 100% bullshit okay and it's just like CNN when covering the news 24 hours a day you know a lot of it starts to become sensationalized and editorial You know, now you have hundreds of networks, hundreds of networks covering the news 24 hours a day, be it in social media or anywhere else, even on networks. Nobody needs that much information. You need to be discerning about what you put into your mind. And that's kind of the point of the social dilemma. All right, now there's another aspect of the social dilemma thing that I want to talk about a little bit, and that's the, um, the aspect of people's uh, determining their self-esteem by their, the, the, their friend count on social media or the number of likes they get, the number of subscribers and so forth. It's like, and if you've been to my YouTube channel, you can see that I really don't care. I really don't care about how many subscribers I have. YouTube can, like, uh, shadow ban me all they want. I don't really give a fuck because my self-esteem is not tied into how many likes I get. It's not tied into how many shares I get. It's not tied into the little thing that YouTube might send me uh, that says that I have X number of subscribers. My self-esteem is not built into how many people like me on social media. In fact, I've never been like that. I preferred having my friends. I preferred having the table, the, ta- the table of comic book collectors in my lunchroom. The comic book collectors, they also like role-playing games. They also like video games. And all, all the things that are cool now that weren't cool back in the late, uh, late 80s and early 90s. All right? I was happy to have just three other people that I could talk with at my lunch table about comic books, video games, and role-playing games. All right? I don't need 800,000 subscribers to feel like I'm a worthwhile person. I know I am a worthwhile person, despite my 77 subscribers on YouTube, despite my 1,500 subscribers on RSS feeds. All right? You do, not, you do not make me who I am. I am who I am. I'm Papa the Sailor Man. I'm sorry. I felt that was a good place to end, so. I want to talk about one more thing before getting into the news worth knowing. And that is, rest in peace, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <clears throat> now, um, a lot of people <laughs> on my side of the aisle uh, are kind of dicks. All right, I'll be honest with you. We're, a lot of us are dicks. And so, um, but it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have the best interests in mind. You know, we can be a little cold at, at times. But, you know, everything that I disagree with about Ruth Bader Ginsburg goes out the window 
on the at her death, if you ask me. And there, and I think that any service to our nation is worthwhile and deserves respect. Okay. Now I served four years in the Navy, and so they're going to dra- drape a flag over my coffin just like they did Ruth Bader Ginsburg's flag, because any service is service to this nation and it deserves respect. All right. You can disagree with somebody like RBG or anybody else in the Supreme Court or anyone anyone else in government, but even uh, even someone like Barack Obama, I consider him a serviceman. As much as I disagree with him, I served in the Navy with people I disagreed with politically, but I still would fight and die for them. You know, just because they're Americans, they're Americans that disagree with me, disagree with me, and we have fantastic arguments. And I can't imagine not having another argument with that Democrat. Seriously, when you watch a movie like a, let's say a Vietnam movie, this is some guy picking up another soldier who's wounded. He's like, carrying, like, no, leave me behind, leave me behind. It's like, no, man, who am I going to argue to about, you know, who's better? You know, Nixon. <laughs> Was Nixon president? No. Who's better? Uh, is LBJ better than JFK? I don't know. The point is, is that we're Americans, all right? We're all on the same side. And everything that happens in between is all just bickering nonsense. Now, when I was in the Navy, you know, I worked with a lot of combined task forces, a lot of um, uh, joint operations commands. And, um, and so we smoked so many joints. I'm kidding. <laughs> a lot of joint operations commands where, you know, you're working alongside people from the Army, people from the Marine Corps, people from the Air Force, you know, people, Coast Guard people sometimes. Uh, that was, yeah, because that was before the uh, Department of Homeland Security. They, uh, no, wait, no, they're Department of Transportation then. Anyway, regardless, you worked with all these different branches of the military, and so you had jarheads in there, you had squids in there, you had uh, ground-pounding uh, uh, hole-digger army people in there, you had, you had chair force guys, and we all made fun of each other. We all made fun of each other because of the nature of their war fighting. It's like, yeah, the Air Force and the Navy, they sit in chairs most of the day, but it's better than being out there running in dirt and you know, living in dirt and digging under dirt and filling sandbags full of dirt. <laughs> so... And that's the kind of jokes that, you know, a Navy guy would make at a Marine or a Navy guy would make at an Army guy. All right? Because we all on the same team, but we can all rib each other. Like, uh, we can all dick with each other like human beings. And when it comes to people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it's like, yeah, you may disagree with them on political things, but that doesn't mean that they are an enemy of the state. They are an enemy of me. That is not the case. RBG, for all her faults, you know, she... She helped blaze the trail behind Sandra Day O'Connor in terms of women in the judiciary. Absolutely. Absolutely. She is a, a service member. And so for those of you out there who keep making fun of RBG, I don't think, that it's, I don't think it's very funny. Looking at you, Stephen Crowder. All right? I'm not going to lie. The first time you cut to RBG and there was a skeleton sitting in a, in a suit in a chair, I giggled. I giggled because I understand that you like bad taste and I get that it's a joke. However, I think it's in bad taste because I consider her a service person, somebody who served this nation for good or ill, all right? The Navy took me, you know, the Supreme Court took her, you know? They put in the time, they put in the effort. Hey, she served, you know, show her, show her some respect. However, I do not think... <laughs> Her dying wish was to, uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to talk about this. Her dying wish was to uh, 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 not be replaced under Trump's watch. And the, the idea is, is that, you know, she obviously wanted somebody liberal to replace her on the Supreme Court. And so, um, uh, fortunately, this is a constitutional republic uh, with democratic leanings. And um, it's not a monarchy where you can just will your position to your best friend, all right? And that's exactly what you're talking about when you're saying well, you, should, you should respect Ruth Bader Ginsburg's last wishes and uh, put somebody liberal on the court instead. And, um, you know, no, no, no. They are well within their rights to, uh, 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 the Trump administration is well within their rights to make an new appointee to the Supreme Court, you know. But seriously, rest in peace, Ruth Bader Bader Ginsburg, thank thank you for all of you have, you have done. But you know you have to know you have to know 
if you're on the Supreme Court, you have to know your death is going to cause some controversy. No matter how, no matter how you lean, no matter how you rule on cases in the Supreme Court, you have to know. You have to know. So I've been talking for way too long. So uh, let's get into news worth knowing real quick. We'll show a stinger, I imagine. And so we'll, uh, we'll try to get through this quickly because there's a lot of news. There's a lot of news today. So let's talk about uh, Louisville. Uh, Breonna Taylor protests. Uh, protests. Uh, why do they keep saying that? It's a riot. It's a riot. All right. So a suspect in Louisville cop shooting is facing assault charges as officers ID'd. 127 arrested. Okay, so the suspect accused of shooting two Louisville police officers during Breonna Taylor demonstrations Wednesday night face assault and wanton endangerment charges, authorities revealed Thursday, as they announced one officer was released from the hospital and the second is out of surgery and expected to recover. Lorenzo Johnson, 26, was charged with two counts of assault in the first degree and 14 counts of wanton endangerment in connection with the shooting of police officers. Louisville Metro... Uh, Metro Interim Police Chief Robert Schroeder said at a press conference Thursday, the investigation is ongoing. Uh, the investigation is ongoing. He is, he is expected to be arraigned on Friday. So, um, yeah, so this guy shot at, shot at cops. Shot at cops because of this uh, ruling about uh, Breonna Taylor, uh, the cops and the Breonna Taylor death. So... <sighs> Here's the thing about another city burning, as Ben Shapiro's show is titled. Another, another city is on fire, and, um, and it's all because of this ruling about these Louisville police who um, they were not charged in the death of Breonna Taylor. And <laughs> all these people saying, shouting, say her name, say her name. It's like, and um, I, I haven't really addressed the Breonna Taylor uh, issue uh, until now. And so I want to talk about Bre- uh, Breonna Taylor and all the information that I've looked up regarding this case and revo- involving Breonna Taylor's death is um, <clears throat> I'm going to hit this with some force now. So brace yourself um, to hell with any woman who fucks a criminal. All right. I don't really care. The cops are not being charged with their death. And that's fine. That's fine. The one charge that is involved with these cops is uh, wanton endangerment, I believe. And that's for shooting through a door which is reckless, reckless and irresponsible. Cops should not be shooting through walls. That's not what you do, even if you're taking fire. That is reckless. God forbid it was a kid. A kid is a different story. But if you're, if you're somebody who's uh, letting your, your ex or your boyfriend, I don't know what it is, use your address to send drugs to, and you're, you're banging him on the side, the hell with you. I don't want you having kids with a criminal's baby. I don't want you to have criminal babies because you're reproducing with criminals. All right? So do you want me, you want me to have some feelings for Breonna Taylor? It's tragic. It's tragic that she died in that incident. But you know what? It wasn't a no-knock warrant. So, but if you want to talk about no-knock warrants, fine. But this isn't the case to cite when you're talking about no-knock warrants. I don't think, I don't think any of these cops should have been charged in the death. And I think that the greater crime here is this guy who shot at, shot at police. That's the greater crime. Horrible things happen when a criminal is cornered. All right? And if criminal's hideout is some girl he's shacking up with, she's t- she took on that risk by letting that evil put their dick in him. Sorry. You want compassion? You want me to have compassion for somebody who fucks criminals? Sorry. I've been, it's been way too long since I've been laid for me to give a shit. Yeah, so we got we to move through these stories fast. So I'm sorry. We got intense emotion and then move on. Mm. So Trump visits Supreme Court to pay respects to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and protests are heard outside. Um, so, and Trump says he will hold off announcing a nominee until after memorial services uh, have conclu- concluded. <clears throat> Excuse me. President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump paid their respects to the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg Thursday morning as Ginsburg lied in repose at the Supreme Court building. That's quite an honor, by the way. Uh, audible boos and jeers could be heard from protesters as the President and First Lady made their way to the Supreme Court. Some could be heard shouting, vote him out, which is perfectly legitimate to yell. And honor her wish, not legitimate. Not legitimate. This isn't Russia. 
citizens of Soviet Russia, referring to how Ginsburg reportedly said she wanted uh, a nomination for the next justice to be held until next year's inauguration. <laughs> uh, Trump has been respectful of Ginsburg, intentionally holding off on announcing the nomination until after memorial ceremonies have concluded. He also offered words of praise upon the liberal icon upon her passing. Quote, today in our nation mourns the loss of a titan of the law. Trump said in a statement Friday after learning of Ginsburg's death. Renowned for her brilliant mind. This is a continued quote from him. I'm not doing the voice anymore. It's disrespectful to Justice Ginsburg. Uh, renowned for her brilliant mind and her powerful dissents <laughs> at the Supreme Court, Justice Ginsburg demonstrated that she can, uh, that one can disagree without being disagreeable towards one's colleagues or different points of view. That's an excellent quote, Trump. Quote of Trump, excuse me. This is the second day that Ginsburg's casket has been at the high court for the public to pay their respects following a private, cer- uh, following a private ceremony Wednesday morning. Ginsburg was greeted at the court building by her fellow justices as well as former law clerks. Chief Justice John Roberts spoke at the ceremony, which was led by Rabbi Lauren Holtzblatt, whose husband, Ari Holtzblatt, clerked for Ginsburg in 2014. After lying in repose, the Supreme Court Wednesday and Thursday, Ginsburg cas- Ginsburg's casket will be transported to the National S- uh, Statuary Hall of the United States Capitol, where she will lie in state on Friday. A ceremony will be held that morning, but only invited guests will be permitted to attend due to concerns over the coronavirus pandemic. How about just because it, it, it needs to be private? Something, something has to be private for her. Yes, she was a public servant, and yes, we should honor her publicly in this way. But, you know, hey, don't blame it on the coronavirus. <laughs> blame it on the little private ceremony with those who knew her best those who knew her best rest in peace Ruth Bader Ginsburg thank you for your service and uh, uh, all due respect I, I'm serious about that all due respect to people who serve it's like believe me believe me it's harder for me to swallow the fact that I have to show that similar respect to somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez they're going to put a flag over her coffin. You know that? <laughs> anyway, let's go on to this next story. Uh, Twitter backlash after Brianna Taylor tweets deleted. Calls to burn Louisville go unchecked. Okay, so Twitter is facing a backlash after losers complained about posts about Brianna Taylor were being deleted, while posts calling to burn down Louisville have neither been flagged nor removed. Users expressed anger, frustration, and sadness on the social media platform Wednesday following a Jefferson County, Kentucky grand jury decision to indict one of the three involved officers involved in the drug operation that led to Taylor's shooting with a $15,000 bail. Some users noted that posts about Taylor were being removed or accounts tweeting about her in the court decision were being locked or suspended. And they give a couple examples. You know, reposting Twitter is not journalism, people. Anyway, so Twitter's support team tweeted Wednesday that, quote, a number of accounts have been locked or limited by mistake and not because they tweeted about any particular topic. (laughs) The website noted that some accounts are also mistakenly suspended or fixed and fixed the error. We're sorry that this happened in the first place, the platform tweeted. While some tweets, see, they, they always suppress for the first, like, hour or so. They, they want to suppress for a little while. For a little while. They don't want things that, to go viral that they don't want to go viral. That's what they're trying to do, if you don't know. If you don't know already. Anyway, so uh, while some tweets were being deleted and accounts were being suspended, tweets calling to burn down Louisville went unflagged. The phrase burn Louisville was listed in Twitter's trending in the United States section on Wednesday. The website's, uh, quote, violent threats policy states that tweets threatening uh, to seriously hurt someone and or commit other violence acts could lead to someone's death or that could lead to someone's death or serious physical injury violates Twitter's rules. A Twitter Twitter spokesperson said the tweets listed uh, by Fox Business in an email to the company are currently not in violation of Twitter. And they gave a bunch of tweets. Jeez Louise. Some Twitter users claimed President Trump and Russian meddlers were behind the trending phrase rather than the left wing. All right, look. The censorship in social media goes one way. And if you don't know that, you are not objective enough. All right? If you don't see that, uh, that Antifa gets carte blanche on social media 
But anybody with any conservative opinion, you know, gets shadow banned, you know. And I'll be honest with you, when I first started my YouTube channel, what was it, like two, two and a half, three years ago? When I first started it, you know, uh, I was getting uh, uh, recommendations of my videos when I'm watching my YouTube channel. All right, when I'm watching my YouTube channel, my YouTube videos, suggest next suggested thing would be one of my videos. Then I, I remember, it was like, I think it was, uh, yeah, I think like six months after I started the channel, my videos would never come up and suggested ever again on my own account, okay? So I know they're doing something. They changed something. So even if you watch one of my videos, you're not likely to get suggested another one because of the nature of my content. However, you know, there's plenty of other channels where I get suggested videos of the same channel, all right? I don't care about any of that. I'm just saying that I noticed it. The censorship only goes one way. All right, we're running out of time. Let's get through these. Uh... <laughs> so uh, Mark Stein blasts Seattle's hiring a former pimp an alternative to police. This is a joke. <laughs> now, um, I, f- I feel like that, uh, that army officer in the beginning of Idiocracy. First, let me explain. To understand the pimp, you have to understand where a pimp's love comes from. <laughs> Or something like that. <laughs> anyway, so the city of Seattle's uh, hiring a former pimp to act as a city street czar and offer alternatives to policing is a joke. Author and columnist Mark Stein told Tux- Tucker Carlson tonight on Wednesday. Andre Taylor, an activist who is critical in the, uh, of the anarchist chop zone and uh, that has sprung up in the city over the summer and who appeared on Hannity to support the father of a 19-year-old who was shot and killed in the area, is being paid 12500 per month as an act of an aforementioned czar, Tucker Carlson reported. According to Stein, Taylor is being paid more, uh, paying more for his non-job than uh, two dozen state governors. If you uh, were seriously interested in any of these issues, this is a quote, if you were seriously interested in any of these issues that you have been royal. Uh, Roiling that have been roiling America for the last six months, you should not be appointing a pimp as a street czar for 150 grand, said Stein, who added that such hiring decisions explain the permanent decline of some American cities. Quote, you can even board up your shattered, ruined business in Minneapolis, he claimed, because you have to pay your taxes a year up front before they let you put some plywood in the window. Stein went on to suggest that taxpayers start to... Uh, that taxpayers start a conscientious objector movement, at least against municipal and state taxes, until they get serious about this thing. That's a tricky, that's a tricky, tricky thing, dare my friend. Excuse me. These jobs are a joke, and they are part of the reason why a civilization, why a civilization is in decline. Excuse me. Okay, uh, he's right. I'm, I'm not sure about conscientiously objecting to paying your taxes because uh, it's, it's one thing to talk shit about the government. It's one thing to talk shit about a, your governor. It's one thing to talk, talk shit about the, uh, the president. You start fucking with their money, they're going, they're going to come with guns to get the money. All right? I'm sorry, but government is authority. Authority is force. Force means is that the government, paying your taxes means somebody with a gun is saying, you have to pay us. All right? I'm not saying that taxation is theft. I'm not saying that. But you're, when you're talking about government, government is authority. And authority means authority over vi- uh, the authority of violence. And I'm sorry. A lot of people don't want to believe that authority means violence. And authority doesn't mean violence. Unfortunately, it's implied. It's implied. All right? So that's just all I want to say about that. Right now, I, I could dig into that deeper if you can, if you can, uh, if you could tell. But I have two more stories I want to talk about before we close the show. And this is uh, this is one coming from the UK, our friends across the pond. Uh, so a supermarket shopper is filmed smashing wine bottles after being reminded of the coronavirus policy. The footage was was released amid calls for the UK government to impose harsher punishments for customers who assault retail workers. Uh, A supermarket shopper in England was filmed smashing wine bottles after she was allegedly instructed to be mindful of the store's coronavirus safety policies. Closed-circuit surveillance footage caught uh, footage of the incident. Go look for it. It's hilarious. It's a temper tantrum. Uh, Which actually took place in May, was only recently shared by the management of of co-op food location in Surrey, the Times of London reports. In the video clip, 
The woman can be seen walking by a checkout station when an employee, or perhaps a manager, allegedly reminds her to pay attention to the store's one-way aisles. Seriously, the woman's asked repeatedly before slamming her hands against an acrylic glass barrier that separates the employee fr- employees from the shoppers. She then begins picking up objects from the floor and tossing them across the shop before walking over to the wine display where she pulls several bottles off the shelves and the bo- bottles shatter-, shatter on the ground, leaving a pool of wine on the floor. I've done nothing wrong, she shouts as she leaves the store. I don't know. At that point, you did. At that point, you did. And then she adds, now I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that was, now I have. And she slams, uh, and then once again slams against the barrier. Uh, co-op food chief executive Joe Whitfield remarked on the incident in a, let, uh, in a letter to the prime minister in which she and other representatives of retail outlets called for stricter penalties for those who violate current COVID-19 safety guidelines. Quote, the role played by shop workers in serving their communities is nothing short of amazing, yet they have, uh, they have to contend with unprecedented level, levels of violence and abuse. Okay, I'm not going to listen to this this liberal, <laughs> uh, this liberal uh, UK nonsense. You know, human beings aren't meant to live this way. All right? All this COVID no- nonsense, human beings aren't meant to live this way. And they're lashing out. They're lashing out all over. Either whether it's in the streets of Portland or the streets of Seattle, the streets of Louisville, or the Owen Posh Siri. You know, people are not meant to live in this kind of isolation. They're not meant to live with these dictums that coming down coming down from the state. You gotta walk one way in the aisle. You know? You ever seen that movie Metropolis? Of course not. You can watch you put on Pink Floyd the Wall. And start Metropolis, and it matches right up, bro. Matches right up. Not in the wall. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. I am sorry. I screwed up my joke, so I'm going on to this last news story. Illinois man keeps sandwich Richard Nixon half eight 60 years ago. An Illinois, an, <laughs> an Illinois man recently celebrated the 60th anniversary of the day he grabbed then-Vice President Richard Nixon's unfinished sandwich on September 22, 1960, when the politician was visiting his hometown of Sullivan to give a speech. He has kept the sandwich ever since. The Buffalo Barbecue Sandwich has gotten Steve Jenny invited to several TV shows, including The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He even co-wrote a book about the sandwich that was published this year. I bet he sold more books than me. Get so angry. Uh, quote, you could probably sell this in a museum, a very pathetic museum, Carson joked, uh, about the paper plate in which the sandwich had been served. Jenny, who was uh, 14 at the time, told Harold in the review that his school left let out early on the day of Nixon's visit and his Boy Scout troop was enlisted to help with the event. The event. His post was right behind uh, the vice president at the park where he served the, served the sandwich as, uh, as lunch before his speech. He took a, a, bubble, a couple of bites. This is a quote. He took a couple of bites and commented about how tasty, it, how good it was, he told the Herald in Review. When Nixon left, he, uh, and so did everyone else in the park, Jenny said, but he stayed behind, and that's when he noticed the remains of the sandwich. <laughs> I looked around and thought, if no one else is going to take it, I'm going to take it, he told the newspaper. Uh, Jenny brought the sandwich home to his mother and asked her to preserve it, so she put it in a jar and stuck it in the freezer, according to the report. <laughs> She's an enabler. It stayed there until he moved out and he put the sandwich in his own freezer. And he's weird. She's an enabler and he's weird. The sandwich remained mostly out of the public eye until 1988 when a local newspaper story hit the wire services and went international. That led to Jenny's Tonight Show appearance where he was given a half-eaten snack where he was also given a half-eaten snack from Carson and a paper plate from comedian Steve Martin. Why? He later went on to receive souvenir sandwiches from a couple of other celebrities and appeared on the game show I Got a Secret, according to the Herald and Review. Jenny told the newspaper he has no plans to get, of the lo- get rid of the leftovers anytime soon. It made him famous. As, quote, as long as I am living, that sandwich will be stored in my freezer in a container that is labeled Ste- Save, Don't Throw Away. <laughs> I would write, Dev, Dead Dove, Do Not Eat. <laughs> That's what I would do. Time to update. Time to update the little bag that you have that half a sandwich that Richard Nixon ate. What kind of crazy person does such things? Who am I to judge? I saved comic books from the 60s as well. So uh, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. This is the end of the show. 
I'm the Madman. Be sure to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Uh, send me some cash over Cash App. Hashtag Shock Monkey Radio. This has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you. <laughs>